<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. You guys, welcome to another episode of Just a Sip. I have someone in the studio today that I have had a long-standing beef with because of a character she played on the hit show, The Game. I love her on the Upshaws, and she is one of my favorite Black ladies on the Black Lady Sketch Show. Please welcome the talented Gabrielle Dennis, everybody. My God, how are you today? I'm amazing, how are you? I'm loving the background, I'm loving the ambiance. You know, I try to make a cute house. You know, I try I to see. do it right. I'm, I'm, I'm digging the digs. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. When they first told me that Janae wanted to come on Just a Sip, I was like, no, 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 no. We are not having it. No, I have a long running beef with Miss Gabrielle Dennis. But <laughs> with me or with Janae? <laughs> by the way, it's so crazy. Once you play a character that people have a visceral reaction to, as I did with Janae, is that a mind screw for you? It is. It's weird because so many people, I mean, thank gosh, there's a gazillion things to watch on television. And I've been blessed enough to play a numerous amount of characters, but some people don't know your resume. They're just like, I know you as Janae, or I know you as Whitney, or I know you as whatever, insert fill in the blank. So it's just funny the way that people respond to that character specifically. Like you said, you have longstanding beef with Janae. Um, but I'm just like, but guys, why? Why? People that had an issue with her character had an issue you. Okay. Oh, 100%. Um, <laughs> well, when I first heard that there was a reboot of the game, I literally text Mara Ackle and I was like, that's all great, girl. But am I calling Gabrielle? Or are you calling Gabrielle? Because Janae, oh. we got to run this story back. Hey, I would love a call, you know, but what's funny is the last time we saw that character, she moved to New York with her fiance. So who knows? She might be living her best life unbothered. Right? <laughs> right? It's so crazy because you bring up your resume and y'all better check these credits. First of all, you have consistently been working in the game for a while, but not only working in the game, the parts that you play are so lush and i say lush because you know you might have a part here and there but girl you've been you went for rosewood you you've been on black lady sketch comedy show you were on the game it just seems like your career has been steady what do you attribute that to consistency literally i was just having this conversation with someone yesterday it's just like it's a game of numbers and probability it's like if you keep at it eventually you're going to crack the code you know and i have been told no way more than i've been told yes 
but it's that probability of those yeses versus those no's of how long I and how hard I've been trying at it. Um, I've been just, you know, cracking at the at, at the tunnel. Like I've been going through the tunnel. It's always reminds me there's this this cartoon drawing where there's the guy he's digging through the tunnel to get to yeah. success, and he's like this close, and it's on the other side, and he gives up. Like he was right there. Had he just went yeah. for like another two days, he would have made it, you know. And so that's kind of how that visual is always in my head. Is like you just don't know how close or your next opportunity is and also in this business it's work begets more works i've been very fortunate and blessed to kind of fall into the the lap of of this these situations where word gets around and people want to work with me because of either my professionalism or what i bring to the table as far as just like good vibes and and it's been a blessing like i don't i don't take it for granted i i pray for humility and i and i'm grateful every day because it's no small feat to get where i am and when you look at the number of people trying to be in this industry. And when you look at how many yeah. people are just in the union alone and the percentage of people who work, luckily that's gotten, that percentage has gotten bigger because the work has gotten more because we have the likes of so many um, platforms to, to yeah. see content every day. So that's, what's really great. But it's so interesting too, because I tell this to people all the time and especially like, you know, the actresses that I know that are not black, it's always like, you know, but if they want me, they probably are going to want X, Y, and Z or this and that. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't even know how worse the Black actresses have it, how small the pool is and how, you know, once you're in, you're in. But in order to break into that small pool of working Black actresses that can transition from, you know, predominantly Black roles and TV shows to, you know, the I'm going to call it the wider side because... That's how it kind of sort of is. I'm like, it's kind of harder for them. It really is. I find. Yeah. yeah. The the thing is, it's like going when I started my career back when I was doing Janae to like now, it's like it's such a blessing to see how many of my friends and peers are working both in front yeah. of and behind the camera. So like things have definitely grown a lot from when I first started because it was at one point, it was the one token black person, or if you cast one black, you can't have another black in, in any of the lead capacities. So it was always like that weird dance that we were doing. It's like this yes. elephant in the room that everybody knew what it was about, but you know, yes. we wouldn't really address it. Uh, but now with things like black stories and black content, being welcomed and accepted and proven time and time again that people want to see them. Um, I think the industry's taken a, a huge turn around the corner of like accepting and understanding that not only do we need, we need to be represented in front of the camera, but in the writer's rooms where the stories are starting and to be told. And if they can't be told on the page, it makes it harder for the, the Black artist actor to come in and give the authenticity that it really truly deserves. So I think it is it, it, it has been a challenge, but it also gets to a point where we have to accept and be unapologetic and say, hey, listen, I was just talking to a group yeah. of actors. We were at dinner the other night and um, on this project I'm working with, it's like you have to go in and be unapologetically yourself because even when it's that open ethnicity situation, if they want a white kind of broad vibe and energy they're going to cast the white woman to do that you bring your authentic black realness in and all of that threading that makes yes. you special who you are and at that point either that is going to work for that role or it's not but at the end of the day your goal as an actor is to win that room damn the job 
get that audition. Like, make a yeah. fan of those casting office. Make a fan of those producers. Because if you continuously bring yourself to the room, eventually they're going to find where to put you, where it makes sense. And I think that is something that is the freedom we've had with seeing so much of our content on television. Is finally feeling that that comfort and that freedom to just be ourselves and that it's okay and it's it's embraced and it's welcome. And they'll find the place for us or we go find and create for ourselves. So I think that's what's been beautiful. And that's what's been happening with Insecure and Black Lady Sketch Show and Atlanta. Like you have all of these people being able to create these authentic shows that have, you know, authentic writing behind it and Black exactly. writers to give Black voices to Black characters. And you're starting to see this love from everybody. I mean, if I say Insecure or Black Lady Sketch Show, everybody knows what it is. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, you cannot not know what it is. If you're white, Black, whoever you might be, you just appreciate it for what it is. 1,000%. But I wonder this because you said something interesting that we did this dance for so many years because we all knew what was up. Why didn't we say anything a decade ago or two decades ago? Things were being said, but at the end of the day, whoever holds the rules to the game, you can say yeah. what you want, but the, you know, you can't, it's hard to play the game when you're not the person making the rules. You know what I mean? Yes. Because you can keep changing the rules. That's so true. I think it just took, steps to get to the point where we are where we have people of uh different backgrounds and 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 color variations and experiences that are now in positions that call the shots because as an actor even to this day i can have an opinion all day long no one cares about what i have to say it's more about <laughs> you know what I mean? like we're just yes men we stand what we're told and we do what we say you know but at the end of the day everything starts in the creative process so what's so beautiful about a show like a black lady sketch show is even we say all the time, black people were not a monolith, right? So yeah. when you look at the writer's room, the diversity in in just black women, it's all black female writer's room. But even in that, the amount of diversity that is in that room allows us to tap onto experiences from all over. So I think what's great is, like I said, now you've got creatives like an Issa Rae who started out, think again, to the platforms that we have now. She started off on online and look where that got her now. We've done the work. We've proven. We've asked. But no, we're no longer asking anymore. I feel like now we're in a position we're where taking. we're making, we're taking control and we're telling our stories and people are getting on board with it. They're now asking for the content. They're now wanting to see the stories and, and the beauty of the culture because it is celebrated. And it is something that is, is, is refreshing to see that when you look at like the decades and decades and decades of the same type of stories being told over and over again, the audience's palette is diverse and it wants more, you know? Um, yeah. That's like eating the same meal when you go out every every weekend, every Friday. Like every now and again, you want to throw yeah. in a little extra flavor, a different variety. You know, give me the menu on the left. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I you know I have to know because I watched the Black Lady Sketch Show, and I wonder if your friends are ever like, "Bitch, did you tell that story about that time to the <laughs> writers?" Because that seems like you know, what I mean? like that seems like us. Like, did you go ahead and tell the producers? No, like literally as an actor, I have zero say in the writing. Like we'll get on set and we can improvise, but I do know a lot of like, for example, like Ashley Black, who's also a star on the show. Like she does her and, and Robin, I've heard them say that it has come, some of those do come from like personal experiences. But I think what's great is they start as kernels of ideas in the room and then everybody gets to chime in and create 
the sketch as far as the writer's room is concerned. So I'm sure there's kernels of people's personal life that they've told and they've probably kikied and chit-chatted in those writer's rooms. Like I would love to be a fly on the wall in the writer's room and just kind of know the tea. But it's so fun that it's so, there is no identity in the sense that it's not so specific that it's not relatable to everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's yeah. the beauty of, like you said, if the girls are like, wait, did you tell, did you? They're like, no, I had no idea about your story, but it's just perfect that it's relatable because we all have kind of a similar experience and how we react and respond to things, you know? Yes. So, so it's a lot of fun. It's so fun too. If you guys have not seen the show, what I love about this show is every sketch is about eight-ish minutes. Like it's not like, it reminds me of, what In Living Color was, mm -hmm. you know, what Mad TV was back in the day where, you know, mm -hmm. you could sit down, you didn't have to watch 10 episodes before, you could skip through the exactly. episodes. But my favorite thing about the episodes is you always know the character. Like, yeah. we all have that auntie that tried to go to the club. We mm -hmm. all had the girl who played MASH in high school and, got, and was exactly. scared about what she was going to get. Everyone knows somebody. So for me, Black Lady Sketch Show is what the Wayne's brothers were creating, but with an extra layer. Yeah. Because we all know the funniest bitch on Mad TV was Deborah Wilson. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the black lady on Mad TV was Deborah motherfucking Wilson, who did who Whitney Houston. Yeah. She was a queen. And you know why she probably stood out is because she got to play stories again that you weren't seeing other places. And that's not to say, obviously, right. take away from the talent because Deborah Wilson is like, hello, Deborah Wilson. Like, we would love to have yeah. her on the show. But again, our uniqueness helps bring that extra oomph to, to the table. And she was doing things that no other person on the cast could do because they were unique to a Black woman's experience. So yeah. I think what's also so genius is even the title of the show, A Black Lady Sketch Show. Robin's whole purpose at the beginning was for it to be not the story about like Robin, Thede and friends. It was more of like, this is a representation of a black woman. Pick a black woman, pick a black story. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not defined and narrowed down to one experience. And the hope that this is one of many future shows that put black women on a platform like this. So this is a black lady sketch show now, but hopefully there would be more a black whatever in the future. And I think that's what's so great. It's interesting because I wonder if you get the same thing that I do. And, you know, I'm on a daytime TV show. We talk a lot about things. Race comes up in conversations. And just for instance, the other day, we were talking about this woman whose mother um, had a written affair with Charles Manson while he was in jail. And mm -hmm. then she now has one with another convicted killer named Chris Watts. And my comment was... Yeah, it's kind of strange. It's always random white ladies who are having these kinds of sort of like assorted, you know, um, affairs with murderers. And the white lady on my show said, you know what? You are absolutely correct. <laughs> and this fan tweeted at me and she was like, you know, how would you feel, you know, if I said a random black, it's always a random black woman. And I thought about it and I was like, I don't know. But I'm not afraid to talk about race. And the way I talk about race is not in a in a racist way or a way to oppress somebody else. I talk about it for comedy. Do you guys ever get the people that say, well, what if we did a white lady comedy show? Would you guys be um, mad? Hello. Yeah, like before they don't even watch the show. It's just the title alone turns some people off. And it's just like the word black is such a strong, powerful word. It's so strange how it tur turns people's 
it just upsets their stomach and it makes them mad. And they're like, why am I black on this title? What if there was a la 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 la? This is racism. This is this. And it's like, sir, ma'am, have troll, have you watched the show? Like, relax, take a second right. to breathe. And and it's also the fact that shows like this have to exist. Like you never you never explore the reason why our show has to exist now and why it's doing so well. It's because there's been centuries of us like not having getting a seat at the table. Yes. So like I was one of the uh, many black women who got to test for SNL a few years back when Kenan Thompson had made the point that where are the black women on SNL? So it's like the fact that these questions have to be asked you shouldn't be annoyed at the fact that black people want to sit at the table or want to play. Take that same energy and explore yeah. why the conditions are the way they are for a show like ours to have to exist. Yes. Because without our show, no one would ever get to experience the layers and the range that us on this show have been able to do. Like, where else would I have been able to have the opportunity to do that? You know? So all 100. hell Robin all hell Issa Rae, all hell HBO for giving us this opportunity and this platform to do things. And I've been at this game for a minute and I have not gotten the same amount of love and, and feedback and appreciation for my talent and range and to be able to do and to even apply a lot of my skills to one show. So yeah. I feel like you sit over there and be mad if you want to, but you could also remove some of that angst and sit back and learn something, enjoy something, laugh yes. something. Because a lot of our fans are not Black women. I see white women, white men, uh, gay, straight, all and everything in between. People love our show because some people are have the ability to sit and enjoy yeah. comedy and content without feeling the need to, to staple race and hate and, and all of your feels onto it. Just like I can sit and watch shows that don't have black people and enjoy it. I don't have to be like, ah, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. like otherwise SNL wouldn't have lasted all these years or Mad TV and all these other shows that did not include us to this to the level that we are on this show. So yes, we're one of a kind. We're the first of a kind. I'm very proud to be a part of this show. And if you have a problem with it, I feel bad that you won't allow yourself to be open enough to experience this magical ride because it is very I fun. Know. It is something that you even get to learn. Yes. You know, some of our white fans are like, oh, I didn't even, I learned something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's honestly like, when I think about, first of all, I didn't know you were that funny. I had no idea because everything is so serious, like, you know, Rosewood and then, you know, even like, you know, Luke Cage, like everything, everything is so dramatic and you give it to me. You give me Cicely Tyson, but I had no idea on the other end of that, that you were serving me Eddie Murphy. I just, I had no clue. So how hard was it for you to kind of prove yourself on that? comedic side because a lot of times we like to put a bitch in a box let's be real yes we put a bitch in a box the beauty is working with black women who are so supportive and like cheering you on it all began with the text call that i got from robin who 10 years prior we were in stand-up clubs together we were doing the comedy route and Although my background is in stand-up comedy, sketch comedy, like you, most people don't know that because no. that's not what I've been put in TV in the masses for, right? So there was a moment of hesitation or like, not fear, but like, oh, will people accept me? Like, will people accept me with open arms? Like, she's funny or she's in a funny, funny, funny show. 
how does she fit in? Because I felt like the oddball because everyone on the cast was known just for comedy, right? Yeah. So there was a little bit of that at the beginning of season one, but like people are cheering me on or whatever. And I'm just like, okay, like let's roll with it. Like I, don't, I never doubted that I could be funny as I know I was, was, but it was, I was in my head about like, well, what are other people going to think about it? Right. Yeah. So, but like in season two, I feel like I ripped that bandaid off because once I realized people were accepting it and like loving it and like wanted more of that, I was like, okay, now, now let's get, let's get into it. You know? So Robin has been such a great cheerleader in like, um, leading us on and like being so positive and supportive and believing she's like oh girl you could do any and everything and I know this and she's like you were so funny when I used to watch you do stand-up comedy and like you sketch comedy and like the world needs to see this and I am so forever grateful to Robin for even remembering me from those many years ago and to like yeah. opportunity and just completely like let me loose like just go do your thing so yeah did you put yourself in a box a little bit? Because I sometimes find that for me, when I've done something for so long, like, you know, I'm the funny black guy on the daytime talk show that says funny things and then I leave. But now as the host of the show, I found that I was my own wall. I put a wall up. I'd never, I never wanted to look at that chair, that first chair, because in my mind, I wasn't good enough. I was just the funny friend in the second chair. And when it came to taking that responsibility, the biggest hurdle was getting over was mm. the one I put up myself. Yeah. So as somebody who has been put in a box that's drama, drama, serious, was it hard for you to let yourself off that box and fully explore what you knew you already could do? Yeah, because... Like I was saying, I think season two was the time I fully let loose. I can um, see that. I can see that. Whereas in season one, I was ready. I was excited and all those things. But because I went to perform an art school, like you were expected to be a triple threat, sing, dance, act, play an instrument, creative, write, do something, right? So Where'd you go, by the way? Where'd you go? I went to the school for creative and performing arts out of uh, Ohio, where? Cincinnati, Cincinnati and, Ohio. And where'd you grow up? Ohio as well? Mm-hmm. So I came out into the world like, okay, world, are you ready? And then yeah. the world keeps away at you a little bit more. Like, no, we're not ready. We don't need this. Then it's like, you know what I'm saying? So you get yeah. less and less confident or less and less like, oh, well, nobody needs that. So let me strip off this layer of, of talent or confidence or whatever. And you eventually get to the point, like you said, you're in your own way to an extent that I caught it. And I said, you know what? Days before I got that text from Robin, I hit my people up. I said, I need to do some comedy. Like, don't send me any more drama. Like, I need to get back in comedy because I'm fading away. I'm losing myself as my artist. I don't want to be to the point where I'm in a box where I can't get out of it. And I kind of could see that that was the direction I was going because I couldn't get into, I was doing mostly like one hours and like a lot of the drama stuff. Um, and it was to the point where it's like, mm, I see where this is heading and I don't like it. So yeah. let's, let's make that shift now. And I was so grateful that my gosh, like the Robin text literally came maybe 24 to 48 hours after that call with my, with my reps. And, and it's been great because since then, um, I've been doing a lot of comedy now, but there's this dialogue like, oh my gosh, but you're also, we remember you from such and such. You yes. can do it all. And it's like, yes, that's the whole goal. Like I went to a school that said I can do it all. And it's like, I look up to like a Jamie Foxx. He is the epitome of an artist who is 100%. able to do music. He's done sketch. He does stand up. He's, he's had his own sitcom film. Oscar. Oscar winning films. You yes. Know, like, that is where I want to be. And very rarely do you see a woman get to to explore it all. 
you know, for sure. And, and the sky's the limit. I'm just starting. <laughs> but it's also very interesting that a lot of I'm finding now that a lot mm -hmm. of comedians downplay their credentials. Because mm -hmm. you have comedians that went to performing arts school that can sing, that can dance, that can act, that were in Pippin, that were doing the absolute yeah. motherfucking most. And it's the men mostly that just fall into the comedic thing and then take on the persona and leave all that credential behind. So I'm loving that. You're like, no, I can do it all. Yeah. And I want to do it all. And that's kind of like my career mission now is to not be pigeonholed, to not be put in a box, to be allowed to explore, even if I have to create these opportunities myself. Because it's like I sing, I dance. I mean, I hit you with a Tom Bay Potomarigli side jeté, okay? Honey. I had dance training. I thought I was going to be in in a whole ballet situation, you know, growing up. That was initial, my initial goal as I was a dancer first. So it's just like, why can't I? Like, why can't I brush off these skills or like explore stories that tell and that touch on the things that can bring some of those skills to life? So I would love to play a ballerina in a movie or to play a, a pop star in a movie or, yeah. a film or whatever, like a short. It doesn't matter. I just want to be able to explore and stretch my muscle and not feel like before I'm to the point where my muscles won't want to move anymore. That I can yeah. <laughs> I can still make it do what it do. I would like to do what it do. So, do the damn thing. We need to do the damn know. thing before we can't do the damn thing. Exactly. I'm very lucky that my audience not only welcomes Black, you know, voices and stories, they really do accept it and they want it and they ask for more. And the comments that I get are so amazing about, oh my God, I had no idea about this actress. Can Can we have more you know, people that we haven't been introduced to at the E audience, which is the purpose of Just a Sip. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now that I have another Black voice here, I would like for us to talk about a concept that may take a little bit of finessing for most people to understand. Okay. When Black people say, for example, HBO f with Black people. Okay. I don't mean that they have one or two Black people on the network and we're running around and like we're doing like, you know, whatever and, you know, living our best life and getting our coins and then leaving. When I say somebody f with us, they get it. Yeah. They understand the mission. They are down for the equity that we have been missing out in the former years and want to bring us up. Am I saying that right when I talk about HBO, Home Box Office Network? I definitely feel like it. Like, there's a Black woman that is staple HBO. Like, signature, you know, when you think of Insecure, that is a signature HBO series. Mm -hmm. And that started from the mind of a Black woman. And HBO had the wherewithal to understand, even when it was this little kernel of a show on YouTube, and East is also an EP on a Black Lady Sketch Show. So the fact that... A, a, a network like HBO allows a show, has allowed a show like a Black Lady Sketch Show, just that title, they didn't touch it, they didn't change it. 
nope. to exist on that platform speaks volumes, not only to the network, but even when you just mentioned your audience, like your white audience or your broader audience that isn't black. I applaud audiences that are open and that get it, that that don't that yeah. don't want to just look at everything as like a race thing. It's like, I want to be entertained. I don't give a damn who you put in front of me. I'm yes. open to whatever that entertainment that makes me laugh, that makes me cry, that makes me feel something. So I think it's just a beautiful thing when audiences get on board and I'm not sure who's leading who. I don't know what chicken or the egg came first. I don't know if it's the audiences that are leading the networks or if it's the networks that are leading the audiences or if it's kind of like a front where everybody's moving together. Yes. But it's a beautiful thing when we can sit and have conversations or when I can look in the comments and I can see the diversity of the people that are watching our show specifically. And even having the opportunity to be on a show like uh, The Upshaws, Netflix with their whole Strong Black League campaign. like. That speaks volumes to where yeah. that exists a few years back. So things are happening. Things people are f-ing with us, you know, right. but because we have been with in different ways, like you know what I mean, like in a bad way, negatively yes. for so long. That it's great to to finally be at that point. And I feel like we're just at the beginning. Like um, the amount of creatives that are watching this or that are watching the shows that are. Uh, with black creators behind them, that they're in their baby steps, they're still in college, or they're still interning, or they're still whatever. Like we're just at the crust, you yeah. know. We're so many more layers to go, and I'm so excited to see where these stories will just grow and these these opportunities will grow. Like I tell my friends, I feel like we're experiencing our own little renaissance because yeah. the amount of people that are working in the diversity of the content is not just comedy, it's not just drama, it's not just TV, it's not just film. Like we're ed- we're, we're we're finally getting a chance to put our yeah. hand everything and i think as an audience we benefit when we diversify Mm -hmm. what's available to us we we benefit as a culture as well we were packaged as dangerous problematic poor um uh ratchet this that and the third and yes we have all of that as as to any other race do you understand the problem is everybody didn't get packaged the same way as one thing sent out all across the world and now the world hates black people because that's how we've been packaged to be afraid, you know, be afraid of black people, be untrusting of black people. But it's like now when you have people that and characters that are just such a, a variety, I just think it helps experience, like yeah. you said, with the culture, it helps that people can come in and, and, and understand that we're not all monolith- a monolithic and group and we don't have to be, you don't have to be afraid of us. Like we have great yeah. stories to tell. Um, so I think it's a beautiful thing. I dated a white guy and I loved him. He was great. He was super nice. He was a little bit older and we went to a party and, you know, I'm an open book. Like, I'm like, if you don't understand something about my culture or about my friends, just, you know, ask me, I'll I'll totally tell you, you know what I mean? Well, one night we went to a party, the conversation started. He had had too many Pinot Grigios and the conversation about black res- representation in TV and movies came up and you know somebody had the same idea about how we were only represented in one way on TV and film for so many years and da 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 and he said so innocently and i knew where he was coming from but i heard it from a mile away i was an earshot away and i almost like ran in like slow motion like no But he said, well, you guys took the jobs and took the acting jobs. So isn't it kind of sort of your fault too? Like, don't you have a hand in it? And I know he wanted to start a discussion. It wasn't like a, ha ha, motherfucker. I was so happy that he was getting involved in the conversation, but I was so scared because you never know where it can go. And 
you know, my friend was very honest with him and said, you know, a job is a job. And if you are an actor and you're trying to get out of there and you're trying to get out there, you're going to take a bag, you're going to take a bag. But trust and believe, Black creators were bringing a variety of Black stories. The only ones that Hollywood wanted to buy were Boys in the Hood, were Jungle Fever, were all of these moments that showed Black America how they saw it. But they weren't buying, you know, soul food until, you know, they were ready. They weren't buying Proud Family at the beginning. They weren't doing those things. And, you know, we got home and he was like, that's really interesting. And I'm like, yeah. And it's the truth because we have been trying to tell ourselves as a diverse people, but the people in charge weren't buying it. It's the same with music. Like, there's so many like positive rappers or or people that have a message, but the ones that are getting the money and the the promotions and the deals and the whatever usually aren't speaking to that. And there's yes. nothing wrong with some ratchet. There's nothing wrong with no. you know a variety of that. The issue is, like you said, at one point, the, there's only one story that's continuously being told. It's like, well, what about us over here? What about me over here? Like, forget that yes. we're three dimensional. You know, yes. and we all of our stories wants to be told. You know, my grandmother wants to tell her story. My niece got a story to tell. You know, and it's just like yeah. um, it's weird because, like I said, I grew up in a performing arts space where everything was colorblind. We would have a, a quote unquote black or white cast. They weren't called black or white cast, but like we would eventually have like a white Annie and a black Annie or a white Cinderella and a black Cinderella because, or, or an Asian one and a black one or whatever. It was because yeah. it was about the talent. And so when you go out into real world, I wasn't ready to be to be put into box or to be told no. But I, I do, I think that training helped me understand and look at it like it's a collective experience. Like, yeah. Like I said, it has to be the audience and the artist and the creatives and the, you know, all of that is, it's all intertwined. It is all intertwined. Um, there's the art and then there's the business side of the art, you know? And, and that's you know, the most important part. You have to remember, look, of course, let me put my hands on my knees, drop down on this is going to sell because that's what people want right now. And it's unfortunately that, you know, we can only have one her at a time because there are so many more hers, you know, out there are so many other women and artists who don't talk about those things. But right now, that's how people are cashing in. So mm -hmm. do you sell out to break in or do you stay true and not make any cash as an artist? You know, it's hard because I think it's each artist, some people selling out isn't selling out to them. That's no. your version of selling out. My version is uh, get that bag. This is yes. my art. This is my voice. This is whatever. And I'm authentic just because you don't agree with me twerking or popping or selling dope or whatever. Like that's how I used to survive. Like people sometimes do have to strip, sell drugs, do yes. crime to put food on their table. So it's not my role to, to judge that person. There's an audience for that person in their art right yes yes but, so that person that doesn't consider them still selling out to them it might be from somebody else perspective but the problem is this person's perspective needs something that they can touch to right yes so we're not too busy judging everybody give something for everybody to enjoy then that way people can stay in their lane mind their business enjoy their thing and quit pissing in the cornflakes of other people doing their thing you know <laughs> yes
Yes. So I think that is where we're trying to grow. And I think like how your your boyfriend at the time had asked about like, well, why do you take the jobs? Because there's always that hope in the art that we'll get to that point where I'm not just taking the, the crackhead mom or the drug dealer or the whatever. It's there will be more opportunities. And it's unfortunate sometimes, especially back in the day, you realize, wait, there are no more opportunities. And I've been fortunate to have a variety and a range of roles that I've played. And there have been times I specifically turned down things, but that's because I was fortunate enough to be at a, a space in my career where I was confident yeah. to feel like I can turn that down. And that's not where you always are going to be as an artist. So you have to start somewhere. And some people that's important to them and some people don't care. They just want to work. You know, they, no, they, can, they can separate art from their personal life. So I just feel like as a society, as a whole, it just be nice to get to a point where everybody can do their thing. As long as you're not hurting people and, and just do their thing and, and not be beaten over the head about it. You know, you know, there's a whole buffet up in here. <laughs> well, oh, 100 percent. I always say I don't care what they doing as long as they're not trying to pop that on my man and they're paying their W-2s. We Gucci. Okay. So right. I'm going to sit here and I'm going, I'm going to enjoy <laughs> all of this. Just not by my man and pay your W2s. Mm -hmm. The other interesting thing, and I saved the best for last because I feel like the last thing I would ever want to do in my career as an actor is play somebody that everybody loved, but you did it twice. You took on Tina Turner, which if you were born anywhere between 79 and 89, 92, your mother had that Tina Turner album and she played that <laughs> loud in the house on Saturday mornings. And that private dancer would come on when it was time to mop the floors and clean your room because that was her jam. And you also played Whitney Houston, which again is another huge icon. And you played them in the age of black Twitter. Let me show you where I was on premiere night of a, of a Bobby Brown star. I was in the corner like this. I was so afraid of Black Twitter. Like, but luckily they didn't rip me one. They were so, they were like shock and awe and like very supportive and like, oh my gosh, you got our mannerisms. Da, 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 da. Like you're killing it. We love you. La, 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 la. I can't believe, you know, I had my doubts, but you proved me wrong, you know? So that meant a lot. Like Black Twitter is... <laughs> It's going to be the beginning and the end. Because <laughs> I think going to go well and I'm going to continue to work or this is the last time y'all are going to see Gabrielle Dennis. You know, that's kind of the, that was the vibe. But um, it went really well. But there was a lot of pressure because at first you're excited as an artist. You're like, oh, I got a job. And you're like, oh, oh, it's Whitney, you know? And it's, it's, yes. it's, I mean, the woman went from Whitney Houston to Whitney to Nippy to The Voice. Like, she was known as The Voice, right? Yes. So the challenge of that role was going in, like you said, playing someone that people know already or at least think they know. And I think that was yes. what's most challenging. People were extremely opinionated about their favorite artists, right? Even though they may have never spent a, a second with them or know what goes on behind closed doors. Like, even as people that aren't famous, a lot of the stuff that people put on social media, that's their public persona. Right. Exactly. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors, right? Because we only we only mm. see what you let us see. So when I had the conversation with the director, his first thing out of his mouth was, "Well, we won't be wearing mo makeup most of this movie." I said, "Oh, you're rude. What do you mean we're not gonna wear no makeup?" I said, "It was beautiful, yeah. and I need some makeup, okay?" Um, and he said, "No, I want to strip down all of that glamour, that superstardom, because 
the extent of my knowledge of Whitney Houston was she was this mega star, not just a star, yeah. a mega star internationally known. Right. So to tear all of that down and just strip, who was she at home in the living room? Who was she, you know, with her man, with her child, with whatever. And that was very important to just try to make her relatable as a human being which is a girlfriend or a mom or whatever, somebody that I can relate to better. That I never can relate to Whitney Houston. Yeah. The only person who has ever experienced Whitney Houston's lifestyle, right? So, right. Um, that was very challenging. And then when I got the call to play Tina Turner, I was like, so wait, y'all just want me to be, y'all just want me to be the, uh, the biopic bitch? Like, yeah. <laughs> so what we're not about to do is pigeonhole me and be that chick. And I had, I had concerns and they called me several times. I finally was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. Um, I was like, it's just one episode. It is what it is. But I was nervous. Like, I was like, they, I was, I was nervous that people going to be like, okay, bitch, we, we gave you a pass on Whitney, but like, Whitney. what you're not about to do is think you just want to play all of the queens. <laughs> What's next? A Right, who do you think you are, honey? So, um, so I was a little nervous that I didn't want to. I didn't want to like uh, take the good graces and like you know over. One hundred percent. But by the way, you are one for one with Black Twitter. Don't go ahead and get back up at that that um, that mound. Don't don't get back up and try to strike again because you know they are looking for it. And people who aren't black think that Black Twitter only criticizes non-Black people. But let me tell you something. Black Twitter is like, we're like Black people. Black people are harder on other Black people because the first thing that we learn in life as a Black person is you should have known better. <laughs> you know, like the first thing you hear from your parents is you should have done better. You should have known better. So I feel like we carry that on from generation to generation. And Black Twitter, like we will come for one another easier than we will for when we with other races or other backgrounds or anything. Yes. Uh, and I think also just the appropriate behavior, I guess, of like social media is very opinionated. And people are going to say their opinions, especially if they it's comfortable from at home, you know, in your car, wherever you're giving your opinion, blasting off, being loud and opinionated, you know, because nobody's there to talk to you in real life. Because I know I've seen things people will say, and I was like, you wouldn't say that to somebody in their face. You know, like that's just, exactly. you, were, you were raised better than that. You wouldn't be that rude. It's just interesting. It's just one of those things that you just kind of, you just got to take it to the chin. You know what I'm saying? But, but luckily I survived. I survived that whirlwind and people love the Tina Turner performance. They love the Whitney Houston performance. Um, and even the people that were angry at the announcement, like when they announced who was playing it, I was getting, oh, that, that's what made me nervous about premiere night because people were mad. Like, she don't look like no Whitney Houston. Uh-uh, Whitney, da, 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 da. And I, I had Woody pull me to the side who played Bobby Brown because we were on set when they made the announcement. And he said, listen, they did the exact same thing to all of us who played the new edition characters. He said, and then they got over once they watched the movie. So that's yeah. just how people are. They're going to be opinionated. They want to voice their opinion. And and because especially people love Whitney so much, if people didn't care about Whitney, I don't think people would have much of an opinion. No. But Whitney is like our goddess, you know? So it's no, no, you better, like, you're playing the Queen of England, a Black England. Like that <laughs> to me, you're, pretty, you're playing Princess Diana of the black community. That's how Whitney Houston yeah. was for everybody. Not only the black community, for, for anybody who loved music, she was Lady Di. And it's so crazy because 
Twitter can make you second guess your own performance. Like, I know I killed it on set today, but if I get five tweets about something, I'm like, damn, did I mess that up? Like, that's you know why? Because our human nature goes to the negative. Five out of 50, you know what I mean? Like, the probability. We just also have to learn because those sometimes are people that are looking for attention. So I'm sure you were amazing. Don't let those five people tell you differently. You know what it is. Damn. What you got coming up next? What set you on? I'm trying to figure it out back there. (laughs) I don't even know if I'm allowed to say, but I'm filming a movie, which is so great for me because I've been trying to get into films. But I'm excited to be here. And we just got, it was just announced that uh, season two of Upshaws got picked up. So yes. that's exciting. And uh, what else? What else? And then Black Lake Sketcher. We'll be, we'll be filming season three of that this year. And hopefully that'll be out sooner than later. So that's good. You guys, you can catch Gabrielle Dennis on any network at any time because <laughs> a bitch is booked. She is, she well, is the motherfucking Wayne know. Brady. If this pilot gets greenlit, then yes, you can hopefully catch me on network television too. But, <laughs> uh, she is making up. I'm eating all the crumbs that I've left on the trail, like trying to find my way back home. Like I've been working at this a long time and I'm finally like, I feel like I'm I'm finally seeing the blooms come. Yeah. You know, the seeds that I planted are finally, and it's uh, it's just been a great season for me and one that I don't take take for granted at all. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed but- and so grateful. But isn't it weird? Because I too feel the same way. Like I'm finally starting to see the flowers that I planted in the ground and now I'm walking past them every day and I see them slowly sprouting up. But isn't it crazy that I feel like God or the universe or whatever anyone believes in, you get it at the right time. Because if you had it 10 years ago, you would have squandered it or your mind wouldn't be in the right place. You wouldn't have the same outlook that you have today. You would have been like, "Mm, I'm not doing that or "Mm, I'll do that because it's a check. You wouldn't have been as prepared for all of the blessings if you would have gotten it earlier. Am I wrong? Oh, 1000. I say it all the time. Like when I booked Rosewood, that's when it clicked that what's meant for me is meant for me. Like I've said it before, but I really understood it to my core in that moment. Yeah. The roles that I thought I wanted that I needed and that I thought were perfect for me. That I was like, why didn't I get that? And when I got that role, I was like, this is why. And so, like you said, to your point, there's times where if you get what you thought you wanted when you weren't ready, you'll mm-hmm. lose it. Then your light dims, your light goes out, your little crop that those seeds split. Now you got like a dead crop over here because hopefully uh-huh. because you weren't prepared to tend to that garden, right? So then also right. emotionally, mentally, there's times where you have to be to a point where you're ready to handle it. It's a lot yeah. of work. It's a lot of things coming at you. And and I feel like I'm a stronger person now than I was 10 years ago where I'm ready and, and I'm a whole ass grown up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I understand how to navigate and to, and to protect my peace. Because at the end of the day, as much as I love what I do, as much as I love this industry, that can't be the only thing that gets me going, gets me waking up every day. Oh my God, you guys, uh, I'm obsessed with you and I'm going to go back and watch the game now that I know who you are and I don't have to be mad at you anymore. <laughs> I can... forgive Janae, forgive Janae. I'm a forgive a Janae. When they watch it now, they are more mature than they were. They're older than when they first watched it and they see it different. They're like, wait a minute, Janae actually was not the problem. She never broke up at home because they weren't together when Janae was in Thank the picture. You. They were actually a couple when she got pregnant um, and they realized Derwin was a lot of issue, which a lot of times, unfortunately, I hate to say this, guys, but you guys you men don't get stirring the pot and causing the problems. And then the woman or the other woman or the whomever, she gets all the <laughs> on her face. 
By the way, I love how you have that, like, you have that reaction ready because you have had to defend this character. Yes, listen, I love me some Janae. And I people that love Janae who are single moms, it was like, Janae was about it. She didn't care about his money. She was about her thing. She did her thing. And she was, she just was in love with the wrong person that wasn't ready for her. So, you know. No, we stand Janae. And I was more jealous of Janae because Janae, rock that inverted bob like it was Listen. a little bit longer and it was and I think it, people how many people it was late salons and was like i want the janae bob like stylist used to tell me i was like that is so crazy the bob was good it was just and it, it always was part of the character because it was it was not stiff it was not stiff no, she knew her bob was bomb she knew it just was, she was the character. I feel like she, everybody wanted to hate her because she was a baby mama, but she was so smart and she was so independent and she f***ed with Melanie when she needed to, just to prove to her that just because she was in med school, she wasn't better than her. It just was <laughs> like, she was everything we wanted and she was the last person we ever wanted like i would yeah, yeah, yeah. end up with you know what i she mean was like unbothered and i think people just weren't ready for her like they weren't ready so we didn't have we didn't have the word we didn't have the language unbothered was not privy to us at that point she was ahead of her time that was my first weave by the way <laughs> that's great that by the way that is nuts that that was your first forte into acting because most people would have taken the character a different way. I think also it was just on the page. It was just kind of like, she was strong in my opinion. It was like, she came for money. She, you know, she, you date what you're around, you know? So she came from that experience. When Malik introduced her to Derwin, it was because she rode in that circle. It wasn't because yeah. she was a road digger. It was just, she had money. She lived in, she lived in the bill that they were in. You know what I mean? Like she played, yeah. you know, so she was a part of that community, but I, for me, it was just, it was, it was important to play the strength of her in that, in that she didn't need a man. She didn't need a man's money. She likes those things. They're, they're, they're an asterisk to what the real deal is. She just wanted to be loved. Like she got a man. Her daddy was the first man in her life who showed her she didn't need a man. Yeah. Like, that could do any better than she. I love you. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations to you too. Hey, you guys, thank you again for joining us for another week of Just a Sip. And don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Tell all your friends about it. Hit me up on Instagram at Justin A. Sylvester. And as usual, we will see you next Wednesday for another episode of Just a Sip. <laughs>